We have some visitors in from Texas. The Harringtons are visiting today. It's good to see you. God is good. If someone, uh, Jeff, if you could close that door right over there, I'd appreciate it. A little bit loud here, if you can get us down just a little bit, I'd appreciate that much because I might get a little loud myself. You know, when Donna and I visit um, our daughter and her family in St. Louis, I, I just love going to church there and being with them because I, I get to hear a good preacher teach from the <laughs> Word of God. And I really enjoy that. I do love sitting under the teaching of good preachers and what they have to say and how they deliver and, and all those wonderful things. Today is one of those days that I wish I could hear a good preacher teach on a subject that I'm going to bring before you today. And yet it is the subject matter in which God has placed on my heart to share with you today. And so my prayer is that you would be praying for me in the Spirit as we work through this message today on forgiveness. Spiritual Growth Through Forgiveness is its title. We've been working in this spiritual growth series now for some, quite some time, and we have many more to go. In fact, I came up with another one early this morning when I was up praying, and, and uh, God was just you know, speaking to my heart, and, and I really felt like there's another one I need to add to the list, and so I'm not sure when it's ever going to end. But there are things that we need in our lives, and so I'm just asking God to continue to reveal those and praying that he'll give me the words to say that will encourage you, all of us, in our walk with God, and certainly to grow us spiritually. To get from where we are to where God wants us to be is a challenge before us in our lives. The words are said, if, if the eternal relationship with God is wrong, then internally you will experience a thing called guilt. It is a thing that most of us deal with at some point in our life. It's a thing called guilt. And when that comes along in our lives, and it does, for instance, someone here today or someone that's going to listen to this in the future, and um, they're going to feel this, and you even perhaps have that right now in your heart. It's something that you don't really want there, but it's there nonetheless. And when that happens in our lives, we normally do a few things as humans. It pops up when we least expect it. It may even keep you up at night. For many, they have to take something to sleep. And it's not because they're not sleeping. It's not because they can't go to sleep. It's because of the guilt that they deal with. And many people turn to pills and some turn to alcohol and other things. But, but for the most of us, I suppose, we, we try to deal with our guilt as humans. And God understands that we are human. He made us that way. And in that process, He knows that we will try our best to deal with our guilt in our lives. We normally do that by getting a new hairdo, if you have hair, and if we give you a new hairdo or maybe a new set of clubs or a new car, and for some it's even a new husband or a new wife, in fact. The only problem with that is over time, over a period of time, that guilt returns, pops its ugly head up into our lives. It's things that we've done in the past or things we might even be in the midst of in our lives, even in the present that we know that we shouldn't be a part of and we shouldn't be dealing with it once again, but we are and we just wish that guilt would go away. Well, I'm here to tell you today there's not enough hair color or golf clubs in the world to get your guilt to go away. But there is good news for you. And the good news is the Jesus that we talk about and the Jesus that we read about in Scripture is the place where we can go through His promises and He proves beyond a shadow of a doubt that He can lift the guilt that you and I carry in our lives. And it's important for us to look at. 
King David, of course, King David, we go to him a lot because his life is revealed throughout Scripture. In fact, basically, he's one of the characters in life, perhaps such as Joseph in the Old Testament. He is one of the characters in which we basically get to see their entire life in Scripture. From the time he was born until the time he died, we get to see the full view, almost a daily occurrence of what went on in the life of David. How, how, do you, how would you feel if your life was written not just in a book that people might read or a few people, a few hundred people might look at, but what if it was written in the book called the Bible and every Sunday you were just cringing thinking someone might read your story? Oh, you would want them to read about the part of your life that was really good. All of us say amen. amen. But there are some stories in our lives we just as soon to forget about. Amen? amen. Yeah. We are all there, aren't we? And some of you have chapters upon chapters, and some of you are just terrible people. (laughs) But the problem is I are one too, right? And we deal with that in our lives. But yet in this, in David's life, the truth is he was a man after God's own heart. How can that be, a man that deals with so much? How can it be? Because it was the in-between times that caught up with him, And it was sometimes great sins in his life, of course. He even hits the top ten list many times. He finds himself in the midst of adultery, deception, or lies. And then he's even found in the plot of a murder and carries it out. And yet the psalmist itself, David himself, gives us some words of encouragement and their blessings for our lives. And we can apply them, and if he could apply them to his life, and he discovered that, then we can apply it to our lives and discover that in our lives as well. Hopefully that will help us grow spiritually. In fact, it is vital in our lives. I think it's the most important vitamin that we take in our lives. It will keep us the healthiest, and yet it is the very thing that we could fail to take on a daily basis because it's a little bitter sometimes. Listen to what the psalmist says, and this is what I go to oftentimes, and you've heard me preach just on this passage alone, and I won't linger there, but but there is power in this passage for you, the person that's dealing with guilt in their life. Notice what David says. He said, you need to read the whole chapter. It's chapter 32 of Psalms, but here he says, then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquities as though he could. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. See the guilt there. Because when we sin, we feel guilty. There's something that prompts us inside that stirs within us when we sin, and we don't like it. And it's a thing called guilt. Sin makes you feel guilty. But did you know that's a good thing? That's a good thing. That means your heart is still pliable. It still means that God, you're allowing God to still work on you. And that's important in our lives. But there's a better thing yet. To get rid of that guilt is a better thing. Give me an amen. Amen. To get rid of that in our lives. We want that in our lives. So God allows this thing in us to be that we create of our own doings. He allows it to be removed from us. Because we are humans, God knew that we would, and so God says, now this is how it can be removed in our lives. The problem is, for most of us, me included, 
is that we don't like to acknowledge it. First thing on the list there. We don't like to acknowledge. Some people don't even like to say they were wrong. Little long, I've sinned. And so what we do is we struggle with the acknowledgement of the sin, but the way that God has set the order is for in order to, to remove that from us, one has to acknowledge it before God. For there is no such thing as a Christian that hasn't admitted they are a sinner. There isn't. No one becomes a Christian without admitting that they have sinned before God. Not one. And it won't happen for your life either. You know, this reminded me this week of the passing of Billy Graham, 99 years old. Whether you like him or not, that's not my, that's my take. He had one simple message his whole life. From the time that he was 16, when he felt the call of God into his life, until just a few years ago when he preached his last message before the people, he had one simple message. And it was the truth. And the truth was... We're all sinners. We're all of us. We're all guilty of sin. And all those 200 million plus people they say that he talked to and throughout his years of ministry, he told the same message to all 200 million plus. You're a sinner. But God so loved the world that he gave his son. He gave his son so that you could be redeemed by the power of the Lamb. So just come as you are. Just come. Pretty amazing, but right on target every time. Your relationship with God is essential for your guilt to be removed. It is important. Carrying around your guilt will stunt your growth spiritually, not in height, because God doesn't look at height. Praise you, God. Thank you much. (laughs) Listen, if you carry around guilt long enough, it will fester. It will fester, and something that festers gets pretty ugly at times. In fact, what it does, it overtakes you, and a a sore can turn into gangrene, meaning something has to be removed now because you've allowed it not to be taken care of properly. It now poisons your whole system. When that happens, it becomes, and becomes full-blown, it becomes a thing called, for many, it becomes a thing called shame. You see there, they say that guilt makes you feel bad about something you did, but shame makes you feel bad about who you are, what you've become in life. So there's levels of this guilt that drives you even further in that place. Either one, it doesn't matter. They're both a bad place to be in life. Many Christians have the wrong concept of Christ's return, in fact. Did you know that? So listen closely. Maybe you think like that. They have a wrong concept of Christ's return. You, they, they believe that He will return and He will part the sky someday. There's no doubt about that. But when He comes, many think that when He returns, He will then forgive them of their sins. And Scripture says our sins are already and have been removed. Amen. They've already been removed, Hebrews chapter 9. When you don't understand that correctly in your life, you will pull your checklist out. 
And when you pull your checklist out, you're going to check it over twice, three times, and continually check that list. Why? So that in the end, he might simply say, boy, you did it just right. Today, you get in. And that's what we do. It cannot happen. When Christians live like that their walk, in their walk with God, they cannot grow spiritually. They cannot grow spiritually because their focus is on what they are doing and not what Christ has done. Our lives are to be lived out in celebration of what Christ has done for us. He freed us at the cross. It's important for us to know that. When you're trying to do it all right, your focus is on you. When you're surrendering to God, your focus is on Him and what He has done for you. You can't find joy in trying to do everything right. Do you know why? Because you can't. That's why. You can't. Anybody do everything just right? Any volunteers, please stand up because you need to preach for us today. So when you fail, what happens when you fail in that case, when you fail, you run to guilt instead of God. That's why people run to guilt. They have a misunderstanding of what God or Christ has done for us. So instead of running to the thing that will heal them and set them free from the guilt, they run to the guilt and bathe in it long enough until they become full of shame and quit altogether. This is precisely why many Christians are not in church today. Did you know that? You know someone, your cousin, your aunt, your uncle, your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister, your husband, your wife. This is precisely why many Christians are not in church today. They are running the race in the wrong direction. You can run to guilt, but guilt won't free you. It'll enslave you. If you run to God, God says, I will free you. And if you are free in Christ, you are free in Amen. Now watch. Someone listening or hearing this today is saying, oh no, just another message I needed from a preacher that tells me I'm bad for not going to church. That's not what I'm saying. Please don't misunderstand that. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I am saying is this, that if you are letting your guilt of whatever it is that you're dealing with in your life, if you are letting your guilt of the sin that you've committed or are even in the midst of, keep you from worshiping God or coming and fellowshipping with other believers with God. You are playing right into Satan's hand. That's what he wants. He wants you to feel guilty. He's the one that keeps bringing up your past. God says it's been forgiven. He keeps bringing it to the forefront. Why? Because he knows that your guilt will someday turn into shame. And you'll give up altogether. Or you'll simply say, God doesn't love people like me anymore. God doesn't love me. How could he? I'm a sinner. I'm bad. Punish me, God. So we say. It's amazing, but it's true. But grace, grace, God's grace, greater than all of my sin. Can I hear an amen? Grace. Grace was given for the Christian to have a place to bathe. Once we have repented, once we have repented of the filth that we have found ourselves wallowing in, a thing called sin in which we all are guilty of. 
But grace is that place where we can go and bathe ourselves. And when we're bathed, we feel so much fresher. Oh, I feel better. I smell better. I look better. Well, okay, some don't look better. But anyway, the case is, it's the place to be. It's the place to go. The story of the prodigal son in Scripture in Luke chapter 15. And as it unfolds there, and you know the story probably better than I do, but when he comes to his senses after squandering and living this, this wild life, and we look at him, and sometimes we compare ourselves to him, and we simply say, well, I'm not as bad as he was, so therefore I'm okay, and God's okay with me being okay with that. Amazing how we do things, isn't it? But after he came to his senses, after his role in the mud of sin, his father didn't reject him. His father did not reject him. He embraced him with love and compassion. The story there is not the story about a particular person. The story there is a particular person, yes, but it is you that he's talking about. Is that when you find yourself in, in the midst of this sin in the world that's around us, and you find yourself coming to your senses, God is the one, the Father is the one that will embrace you with love and compassion once again so that your guilt might be released, but your sins may be forgiven. That's the story there. But yet in the midst of this story, the Father was available to do for this son of his days before, was he not? Was he willing to do the same day of things the days before or months before the son returned home? Certainly he was. The problem then was not the father's unwillingness to forgive. It was the son's reluctance to keep the blessing of forgiveness extended to him. Why is that important? It goes the same for us. Once the son sought forgiveness, forgiveness was given along with a host of things in the celebration. That's the beauty of coming to God. After we we find ourselves in the midst of the sin, it is not that we bathe only in the grace, but there's a celebration. And in that celebration, many things are given in return. What was given? The ring was given. The robe was given. The feast was there. It was all given. Why? Because one that had sinned had come home. He was lost, but now he's found. The story is for you today. The story is for us. Perhaps you felt that, hey, I've been doing these things in my life and I've been so far from God. Run to God. Because I guarantee you, if you make up your mind to run to God, he will beat you there. It's in the story. Read it for yourself. Some of you are holding back the celebration that God wants you to throw for you in your life. Because of your unwillingness to admit or come to your senses of your sin. Come just as you are. While it is true, nothing can separate us from God's love. And isn't that beautiful? You know, we always taught our children, always taught our children and our grandchildren and instill in them that we love them no matter what. We love them unconditionally. Parents, grandparents, give me an amen. Do they always do what we want them to do? (laughs) No way, somebody said. They don't. God's love for his children is unconditional. Unconditional. There's nothing that can separate us from his love. 
for the writer here says what in Romans 8? For I am convinced that neither death nor life, and then he goes, the heights or depths, or anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The love of God is found only in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's it. And in the midst of that, how beautiful that is. But please understand, please understand that there are things that can become between you and God. There is? Sure there is. What is the question? What can keep us from growing spiritually? What keeps you from growing spiritually? The things that we've been talking about over the series here, growing spiritually. What, what keeps you from that? Well, the ones I want to talk about today are two, two areas, and we've been talking about the one already and in length. But one is unforgiven sin, your sin. God simply wants you to deal with your sin. He's already dealt with it. He wants you to deal with it. Not on your own. He just wants you to come to him. That's how beautiful our God is. He not only created you, and God says, I know that you're going to be a sinner, but I've created you, and now you're in the world, and now that you've sinned, if you'll come back to me, now I'm going to recreate you into my likeness. That's a beautiful thing. But the other is the unwillingness to forgive someone that has sinned against you. And we'll get to that one in just a moment. In Psalm 66, verse number 18, the word says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. Now, some people might read that and simply say, Wow, I didn't know God had a hearing problem. That verse is not telling you that God has a hearing problem. That verse is simply telling you that you have a pride problem. And we don't like to hear that. Something held into your heart that God wants you to let loose of because what it does is causes static in your communication or your connection with God. The static is on your side, not on His. And so your communication is left a little disrupted, meaning that you can't hear correctly. You know what is in there, but you're unwilling to deal with it. You're, you're, you're unwilling to deal with what is you know that needs to be dealt with. You know, some people don't like conflict. I don't like conflict. Do you like conflict? Some people really do. I mean, they like to just get in your face. But I don't really like conflict. And so in that spirit of not liking conflict, oftentimes we won't even address our sin to God. I don't want to have a conflict here, God, so just, uh, just kind of leave me alone and I'll see you on Sunday. <laughs> we do that. I don't even know where I'm at on this page. (laughs) You know what it is inside of you, but you won't just let it go. We normally don't let things go in our life. You don't want to know why? We call them addictions. And I understand addictions. And some of you are dealing with them, and we pray for you. And we'll pray for you every Sunday. We'll pray for you every day if you want us to. But... In most cases, it's because we don't want to. We just don't want to. You see, unforgiven sin in our life doesn't stop with God's love or God's love for us. However, it does obstruct the communication line. It stunts our spiritual growth. And that's why some people never grow spiritually. It's kind of like sipping on a straw and it's got a kink in it. You can't get the full drink that you're wanting. 
and you're just trying your best, and it's like, dude, what's wrong? You look down, the straw's bent right in half. You, you go to the heart doctor, and the heart doctor says you have some plaque, you have this buildup, you have this something that's clogging your arteries. It's called Twinkies. But in that process, you, you realize that something is obstructing the good flow or the full flow. And if you don't take care of that, you're a walking time bomb. So what do you do? You go to the doctor, take care of me. Take some medicine. Perhaps that might help. If that doesn't help, you get stents. If that doesn't help, you get open heart surgery. If that doesn't help, you get a new heart. If that doesn't help, <laughs> God help you. But we do those things be, but because of why? Because there's some kind of blockage in our lives and spiritually speaking as well. Do not let your sin block the flow from God that God wants to have for your life. Now the other is the unforgiving spirit. Now the moment I say that, some people just want to get up and leave. If They won't leave maybe, but they will tune me out. Others that might listen to this message in the future might be listening to it and simply get to this point and you just turn it off. And you say, boy, he had a really good message, the part I heard. My prayer is that you will listen closely to what I'm about to say in this area. And then I would only ask you to hold it up to the light of the Scripture because within that you will find its truest meaning. But yet I will try. There's an old saying, if you don't forgive your enemies, you're going to run out of friends. This is difficult in the Christian's walk. This is not easy. This is why I did not put it first on the list. I wanted you to get hungry for God's word, and you get hungry for God's word, you're going to believe God's word. And if you believe God's word, you'll apply it to your life even if you don't like it because you know it's the best thing for you. James Merritt said this, guilt is a ghost that haunts its own house. Boy, it is. But he goes on to say, bitterness is an acid that destroys its own container. When we forgive, he says, we are freed from the prison of guilt. And when we forgive others, we are healed of the poison called bitterness. Wow. Maybe I should stop there. Some people say it this way. I've heard it all my life. In fact, I've probably said it a dozen times. Thank you very much, but if he don't ask me to forgive him, I ain't forgiving him, and I'm not obligated to you. Thank you very much. Listen, the spirit that is unwilling to forgive cannot go grow correctly. It can't grow correctly. So you have to learn in your life to have a forgiving spirit even when it hurts because in almost all cases, it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt. But there's a beauty in this. The beauty of releasing things to God is that he makes sure it's taken care of properly. That's the beauty of it. Do you think that God does all things correct? One more time. Do you think that God does things, all things correct? All right. 
So do I. You are trusting God to deal with it because you know that he is better at it than you are. Yeah. It is real easy to tell somebody, you need to forgive them. But when somebody does you wrong, it's like, holy, you don't understand. So the question I have for you is, where do you stop in your unforgiveness? Where do you stop? See, all of us have measures. All of us weigh things in our lives. And we draw a line in the sand. And we say, that one's it. Gets there, I'm done. Gets there, I'm done. And some are here and some are here. And some of us are here and here and here and here and here and here and here. That's the way we are because, once again, we're humans. Listen, God understands that. God doesn't think that we're going to just go, well, it's okay. He doesn't think like that for us to think like that. He understands that it will take time for us. So I'm not the one to stand here and tell you the time is today. I would tell you today is a good day, but I cannot say and measure the time that it might take of the depth in which you have been harmed by someone else. Someone that hurts you deeply that hasn't asked for forgiveness only becomes heavier and heavier with time unless it's released. I promise you that's the case. I've seen it in my own life. It is the thing that gets so heavy that it just boils the blood unless it's released. And some of you are carrying a heavy weight. And at some point, I'm here to tell you, at some point it will cause a great struggle. It'll cause a stumbling block in your spiritual walk with God. Scripture. For if you forgive men, this is Jesus' words, red letter edition, their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will the Father forgive you your trespasses. I know some want to run and simply say, yeah, but that's you asking God to forgive you. We'll get to that in a minute. Sometimes people withhold their forgiveness. I see this in marriages a lot. Get out of jail card. They just hold it. But sometimes it's withheld forgiveness until the other person changes their behavior, their lifestyle, or beg. They just withhold it. I'm not not budging. It's their problem. No, what has happened, you've made it your problem. How much time is spent? I often wonder about this, even in my own life. How much time has been spent in my life thinking about people that just annoy the crud out of me? And then I'm like, why would I spend, I wouldn't even spend time visiting with them a little long. Why am I visiting with them up here? Anybody but me. You know you got a weird preacher up here, but I'm just telling you the truth. They're afraid oftentimes to release it unless they beg or do those other things that we mentioned there is because unless the person begs for forgiveness of that person that's offended them, before the person admits it, that they were wrong, the struggle there, I should say, let me back up and say that again, is that they often struggle with that because they feel if they release it before the person asks it, that somehow it's telling the person, it's perfectly okay what you did to me. 
And I'm here to tell you it's not perfectly okay. That's what we want to say. So sometimes we won't release because we feel that if I do, then the person's going to get the wrong uh, notion here in all of this, and they're not going to get it. They're going to think what they did was perfectly fine. And there's a lot of people that feel that way. That's true. Lewis Smead said it this way. He said, we do not excuse the person we forgive. We blame the person we forgive. It means that we bring what has been done to us to the forefront. This is the sin. When we bring that sin to the forefront, then what we do with it is left up to us. God's already dealt with it. It is left up to us to now deal with it. I am not telling you that you are okay in doing what you did to me, for it was wrong. I'm telling you that I'm letting God handle it because he will take care of it on his own timing. I can only, and this is important, I can only harm you and me with trying to handle it. I will cause harm to you and to me because I want nothing but harm to come to you, but yet in the same turn it's filling me up with this anger which is harming me. See how it works? This is why God says this, this is why it can be released. Let me show you how you can be released from that. Once again, God is on our side. God wants us to be released from those things in our lives. He wants us to be freed from it. But God didn't do that to us. God never approved of our sin, has he? He didn't approve of your sin. He doesn't say, well, you've sinned. Oh, well, that's okay this time, but, you know, just it'll be all right. God just never said that in his word. He hates sin. Why does he hate sin? It cost him his son's life on the cross so that we might be redeemed, not his son. Sinless, he became sin. But he loves the sinner, God does. Amen? So in Christ, God took the initiative to provide forgiveness for the whole world. We may not like that, but it's the truth. You see, long before you ever got here, your sin was taken care of. Do you know that? Long before you ever got here, your sin was taken care of. Man, that's a head scratcher, isn't it? But it's the truth. What you and I are called to do now is to believe that Jesus has already paid the debt, the debt of our sin on the cross. Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrated his love for us in this. While we were good little boys and girls, he gave his son. No. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't die for our goodness. He died for our sins to be removed. And praise God for it. He, Jesus, is the atoning sacrifice. John, 1 John 2 says, He's the atoning sacrifice for our sins. I like that. But this next one, notice, and not only for ours, but also the sins of the whole world. Wait a minute. You see, Christ's sacrifice was an atonement, it says, for all sin. It then, therefore, is a free gift to anyone, 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 anyone who accepts it. Ephesians chapter 2. Notice what Scripture says. 
for it is by grace you have been saved. How have you been saved? Through the grace of God. God didn't have to, but he did. Why? Because he loved you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Now watch, through faith. Faith in who? Faith in him, of what he's done for us. What has he done for us? He paid my debt on the cross. Hallelujah. Watch. And this is not from yourselves. He wants to beat it into our heads. It's not you. It's not about you. It is a free gift of God. Can I have another amen? It's a free gift. And anyone that repents, anyone that confesses, anyone that claims Christ as Lord, anyone that has experienced a new birth, they are freed from their sin because of the atoning sacrifice that took place some 2,000 plus years ago. No matter what you've done in your life, that's good news, isn't it? No matter what I've done, no matter what you've done. Really? I've been really bad. Yep, all the really bad added up because the whole world is pretty sinful, don't you think? And God said, I gave my son for the whole world. And if you'll accept that free gift, you too can have salvation. Give me an amen. Amen. Hang on, just a little bit more. Christ doesn't come back and die on the cross each time we repent of our sins. He doesn't just, oh, Harley's repenting. I got to get back on the cross. No. So we believe that, then we must believe that our sins were paid for long before that I even accepted Christ into my heart. It was paid for on the cross by Jesus himself. He paid the price of our sin and you just acknowledge it when you repent and confess. You just acknowledge, I'm a sinner. You're a savior. There's where the sinner's prayer comes in. You can't find it in scripture, but it's a beautiful thing because it's actually what all of us do. And all of us as Christians say, I'm a sinner. You're a savior. Save me. And the church says, because that's what the word says. All right, hang on, Arlie. Romans chapter 10, let's read a little bit. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, Romans 10, 9 through 11, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Pretty clear. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. 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 Notice that. Watch this 11th verse. Remember the words I talked about earlier? Guilt? What does it lead to? As Scripture says, anyone who believes in Him will never be put to shame. God doesn't want you to hold your head down in shame. God wants you to hold your head up and glorify His wonderful Son called Jesus the Christ that paid the debt that I could not pay. So if you don't seek God through Christ, you carry your guilt. And if you don't release forgiveness, you carry your bitterness. Either way, you're in trouble, spiritually speaking. Once again, it doesn't mean that God stops loving you. Oh, no, not at all. 
It means that you are choosing to bathe in the guilt and the bitterness that robs you of the joy that God wants you to have. Yes, it's sad, but it is true. There are a lot of Christians that you see that have no joy in their life. Do you know one? They have no joy in their life. They're just going through the motions. They have no joy in their life. Let me tell you something about that. Almost in every case, if you find that, if you search it deep enough, you will find the seed of guilt or bitterness or both in their life. Something that somebody said and hurt them, that preacher said such and such, and I'll tell you what, I ain't forgiving him of that. And they hold it. So I ain't going back. And they don't. They're holding it. Or if you search, you'll find something that they're holding on to that they know they need to release, but they're not about to because it's way too much fun. It's way too much fun dipping over here as long as I got the money to pay for all my buds around. That's what the prodigal son thought. But I will tell you, just as the prodigal son found out, one day, one day, the money is going to run out. New golf clubs can't be bought. New hairdos. Judas couldn't carry the weight of his guilt, and God didn't want him to. He tried to. Peter chose to release his guilt, and God set him free, gave him the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Wow. You see, what you choose to do with the guilt of your sin will either set you free or condemn you. And what you do with your unforgiving spirit will either grow you spiritually or it will stunt your growth spiritually. Either way, you choose. That's how much God loves you. How much? He gave His Son. How much? He allows you to choose. My challenge. Challenge for the week. Here it is. Some aren't going to like it. I'm going to give it to you anyway. I ask you to just give it a shot. Just give it a shot. See what happens in your life. This week, I want you to make a short list. I want you to get a piece of paper, draw a line right down the middle, but I want you to make a short list on, the, say, the left-hand side. I want you to make a short list and make it short because some of you are writing a book. In fact, some of you are carrying that book with you today. I want you to make a list of all the people that have offended you in some great manner in your life. Don't be too long on it, but just write those down and hold on to it and don't let your blood boil to begin with because I want you to write on the opposite side of that, on the other side of the line, the right side of the page, if you will. I want you to, I want you to make a list of things that you know of your past, of your past, that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that they were sinful Sinful things that you said, things that you did, things that you looked at, things you did or things that you didn't do that you know that you should have done. Put that on the right side. And then I want you to honestly look at that piece of paper. I don't want any disruptions. I don't want any of that. I just want you to focus on that for a minute. And when you focus on it, I want you to do something. 
I want you to praise God. Really? Yeah. I want you to praise God for paying the price for all of your sins. Every single one of them that you listed and even didn't list, I want you to praise God for the removal of all your sins. Praising God. And then praise God. Praise God for paying the price for all the sins of those on your list that have sinned against you because he has paid that price too. He's already paid the price for that sin as well. And then I would ask you to pray. This is why I said start praying five times a day leading up to this because if you're, if you're doing that and if you've been diligent in that, you know your prayer life has changed you. Your prayer life hasn't, cha- hasn't changed God. You don't pray to change God. You pray to change you. And so in that process of your growth in prayer, then I want you to ask God for the power to release all of them, yours and theirs, to him, trusting that he knows best because he does. Amen? God doesn't. Listen and remember this. It's important. I'm almost finished, I promise. God doesn't take back the forgiveness of your sins. Why do you? Did you get that one? God doesn't take back the forgiveness of your sins. Taking that one back, Harley. Then why do you take them back? There's another passage of Scripture I want to read for you, and I want you to really concentrate on this passage of verses this week. Maybe you'll just pull it out and you'll read it or click on your phone and look at it or let it read it to you. And that's what I did. And this is from the Revised Standard Version. And, 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 and I, I want to just, I just love this. Do not fret. Remember the anxiety we talked about? Do not be anxious because of the wicked. Do not be envious of the wrongdoers. So they will soon fade like grass. Oh, I know you think they won't, but they will. And wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good so you will live in the land and enjoy security, peace. That's what you want, isn't it? God's offering it. Watch this now. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. We like that, don't we? Now watch. Commit your ways to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. He will make your vindication shine like the light and the justice of your cause like the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. There it is. That's that patience. Do not fret. Don't be anxious over those who prosper in their way, over those who carry out evil deceit, devices, Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. Do not be anxious. It leads only to evil, bitterness. For the wicked shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. You know what the land is? It's the land of promise. Do you know what God has promised? Peace. 
when you give it back to him. Let him handle his business. You just handle yours. I didn't say it was easy. And for me, it's not either. Let me pray for you. Father God, I thank you so much for your written word. I'm so thankful, Father, that it leads us in a direction in which we need to go, not in the path in which we are going. Because if it's left up to me, I could sure pull a bunch out. But it's not left up to me, God. Your son was given for the sins of the world, even the people that have harmed me greatly in my life. And the people that are ugly to me, even to this day, you paid for their sins as well as you paid for mine. You know, Father, that I'm struggling with this one. You know that it rises up within me from time to time. And I just pray, Father, that you allow me once again the freedom from holding and harboring things about other people that may not even care about me. May I run to you, Father, because I know, I know that I know that I know that you care about me. You love me. You are the one running down the path. You're the one embracing me right now. You're the one that's saying, my son that was lost, my son that was covered with this, my son that was burdened with all of these things has released it and he's come home. You're the one that's placing your robe around me. To me, Father, that's one big, big hug from you in your beautiful robe that you wear. Father, yes, we are sinners, but we know and we believe that Jesus is a Savior. And we praise you for giving your son. And Jesus, we praise you for staying on the cross and paying the full debt, my full debt, so that when I stand before God someday, reconciled, not because of the things that I've done, but because of what you did for me. How could I not praise you all the days of my life? How could I not want to grow spiritually? How could I not want to get rid of that stubborn spirit that's within me? Help me to acknowledge my sin daily, Father, so that I might be freed from it because it awaits. It awaits me every time. Thank you, Father, for loving us that much. Thank you, Father, for setting us free. And it's through Jesus we believe. Amen and amen. God bless you today. If you need to respond in some way, some fashion, we stand ready to pray with you and for you today. Today, if you've not received Jesus Christ as your Lord, we, we, we pray that today is the day that God has spoke to your spirit because no one comes unless the spirit calls you. And perhaps that's been the case today. If it is, you can come at this time as well. If you have questions, we'll free, free. Just come and we'll try our best to answer them through scripture. Maybe today you have a praise or maybe today you have a hurt. We're here for you. And our shepherds are here for you at this time. Whatever your need is, you come. As together we stand and sing.